You know, do do you remember uh, when you were in elementary school and, you know, you probably brought a shoebox into school around this time of year and you cut out some construction paper and you kind of designed that box into a Valentine's Day card box? Uh, You know, you slid a hole in the top and so then you you, you went and you bought those pre-purchased Valentine's Day cards, you know, maybe a Star Wars theme or a Barbie theme and you'd... Uh, write your classmate's name on it, and you go around and deposit those cards or maybe some candy into everyone's box. Uh, you know, and it was an opportunity for us in elementary school to learn to share and to be kind and, you know, include, and to include everyone in that, you know. And tomorrow is that day that the world celebrates, uh, of course, Valentine's Day. You know, some don't put as much stock into it as others, right? We refer to it as that greeting card or that candy holiday that, you know, it's it was built by them to up their sales and cards and candy, but others, you know, they go all out, right? They buy the candy, they buy the cards, they buy gifts, they, they spend twice as much for flowers uh, that, you know, a couple of days from now won't be as much. But it's a way to express to others, you know, to say, I love you, that I care for you. You know, a few weeks ago, uh, I presented a lesson about the greatest command, how we are to love God with all our soul and strength and heart and mind. And uh, today's lesson is going to be focused sort of on the other aspect of that. Uh, How do we love our brothers and sisters? How do we express our love for our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? Uh, How well are we at letting them know that we love them? How well are we letting them see it in our actions, in our lives? And so what we're going to focus on this morning is a text in John chapter 13. So if you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to turn with me to John chapter 13. Really, basically, John chapter 13 through 17 is this discourse that Jesus gives between Jesus and his disciples. Uh, John's the only one that writes at length uh, about this, uh, this time that we often refer to as the Last Supper or, or the Passover Supper, you know, where Jesus is going to institute the Lord's Supper in chapters 13 through 17. Uh, we don't find this in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but John specifically gives us this information. And during this course... Uh, this uh, course that he has with his disciples. He is going to be teaching them uh, and showing them examples of serving one another. Uh, He's going to give them comfort. He's going to make the the promises that he's going to give them. He's going to warn them of things. And also he's going to offer that prayer of unity uh, between them. Well, again, this is the night before he was to be crucified. John chapter 13, verse 1 tells us, that he knew that his hour had come. And, but he's going to give them what he refers to as a new command. A new command. In John chapter 13, starting in 31, verse 35, or excuse me, let's go to 34, verse 35, where Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another, we're thinking here, maybe love one another. How is that a new command? Hasn't that always been emphasized throughout history, throughout God's word? You know, we can go all the way back to the book of Leviticus, chapter 19 in particular, and see that God tells them to love your neighbor as yourself. In that same chapter, he tells them to love the strangers, the aliens that are sojourning around them as themselves. But now the how they were to love one another is new, right? To love one another is not necessarily new, but what Jesus wants to emphasize is how to love one another. 
Again, in John chapter 13, starting throughout the chapter, Jesus is going to explain his betrayal. That's about to happen. Uh, and Peter wants to know, who is it going to be, Lord? Who is the one that's going to betray him? And if you remember, Jesus says, the one who I dip the, the, the morsel and give to him, that is the one who's going to betray me. And really, Jesus, he's setting in motion as he does this, you know, what's going to later be his arrest, his trial and his execution. Remember, because he gives that morsel to Judas and he tells him what you do, do quickly. He's telling them basically, you know, get up and leave and go do what you're about to do. The other apostles sitting around, they don't exactly know what Jesus meant. They thought maybe because Judas had the money box because he was the treasurer that he needed to go out and buy some more supplies. But Jesus is telling them, you know, let's start this thing. Let's get this in motion. Uh, The plans that you have to betray me and turn me in. Well, again, John chapter 13, starting verse 31, we see Jesus say this. He says, therefore, when he had gone out, that, of course, being Judas, Jesus said, now is the son of man glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him immediately. Little children, I am with you while a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, now I also say to you where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you will love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. You know, Jesus starts this, this, uh, this phrase by saying little children, right? This is a familial type of thing. As a father would say to his children, you can't follow me where I am going. So I'm going to give you this command. You know, Peter's going to argue about this a little bit later. He says, Lord, where are you going? Why can't I go? Uh, I'll lay my life down for you. I want to know. I want to go. But again, Jesus says, you can't follow me. So here is a new commandment that I give to you. Love one another, even as I have loved you. And this is what we need to understand. Uh, This commandment to love one another is not a new commandment. You know, again, the old law taught us to love our neighbors, to love those around us, anyone that we could help, help. You know, when, often when I refer to, you know, biblical love, you know, the love that the Bible speaks of, this is the Greek word agape. And this word is uh, in reference to, you know, I want the best for you. Right? That, that's biblical love. That's the, God, the love that God has for his people is that he wants the best for them. You know, it's not a mushy, you know, the butterflies floating in your heart type of a love that, that you see in the movies and such. But uh, it's a love that I want to I want the best for you. And so I'm going to do those things to help you again. This isn't new. That wasn't uh, what that's always been taught throughout God's law. So what is new? It's not new in time, but the standards have changed. Again, look at this. Uh, He says, love one another, not as yourselves. But now he says, love yourself, love others as I have loved you. He's raising the bar of how we are to love one another. You remember the golden rule in Matthew chapter seven, verse 12, you know, treat one another as you want to be treated. Again, he's raising the bar, you know, treat one another as I have treated you, even as I have loved you. And he tells us why, you know, why, Jesus, why do you want us to love one another as you have loved us? Well, he tells us there in verse 35, 
But by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You know, again, no one's going to see you, my disciples, following me around from place to place and seeing the good works that, that we're doing. And of course, eventually, uh, during this time period, the miracles are going to cease. You know, uh, remember what Paul said at the end of 1 Corinthians 13? He said, you know, faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love, right? Love is the thing that's going to last. And so for us to show our proof of being Jesus' disciples, Jesus says, you need to love one another. That's going to be your proof, just as I have loved you. And again, the purpose of this commandment that he's giving is seen in the response of those outside uh, you know, we try to get others' uh, attention with, you know, our building, right? We have a great building here. It's upkept well, and it's in a great location. And we have a sign out front that says Church of Christ, and, you know, all and a scripturally accurate uh, description of the church. Uh, and we try to use that to bring others in. Or, or we, you know, we often say we speak where the Bible speaks and we're silent where the Bible is silent, uh, you know, uh, referring to uh, the doctrine of the, co- the church here. But notice, Jesus says, it's not the doctrine, it's not the programs that he emphasizes, but it's our love. To attract people on the outside, we need to have love on the inside, Jesus says. So how can we show our love for the brethren and fulfill it? How can we love like Jesus loved? I'm going to give you four points here this morning. Uh, It's how we can fulfill this command and we can, all, we can see all of these from John chapter 13. But let me give you these four points. The first one we want to notice, uh, to love others as Jesus loved, we must realize that this command is not optional. You know, again, notice how Jesus, Jesus chooses to state uh, his request. He calls it a new command. He doesn't say this is my idea or this is my viewpoint or this is optional, but this is an expectation to love one another. Uh, Jesus says, I don't have a choice, right, who I want to love. You know, if we go into work tomorrow and our boss tells us that by Wednesday evening that you need to have such and such done, right, there's an expectation there. Or children, if your parents tell you to clean your room by, by lunchtime or else uh, you're not going to be able to go outside and, and play. Again, uh, they're serious about that. There's an expectation there. And when Jesus demands his followers to love one another, to love their brethren, again, that should be taking extremely serious. You know, I don't know if you've heard this phrase before. I've heard it every once in a while. But someone may say, I may love my brother, but I don't have to like him. And I get it. You know, I get it. We, we all have different personalities. Uh, sometimes we can't mesh as well. We, we don't necessarily want to hang out with uh, some of our brothers and sisters in that capacity. But every time I hear that, that phrase, you know, I sort of cringe. You know, because, because we're, we're on a slippery slope when we say, uh, yes, I'll love my brother, but I don't necessarily have to like him. Because we're, we're letting ourselves off the hook when we say that. Because that mentality, we're going to wind up you know, eventually not loving that individual. But Jesus loved those who were hard to love. You know, he told us in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, to, to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. 
You know, Jesus did not choose the elite of the day or, you know, maybe his best friends, but he chose normal, average people to be his apostles. Remember in Matthew chapter 9, he comes to this tax booth and here is a man by the name of Levi or Matthew that we're more commonly known to refer to him as. And Jesus meet him, meets him there at his tax booth and he tells him, come and follow me. And Matthew immediately gets up. And follows Jesus. Well, this man, again, he was a tax collector, a Jewish tax collector working on behalf of the Roman authorities. Right? This man, in the, in the eyes of the Jewish nation, was a traitor. Uh, he probably skimmed off the top. He probably took more taxes than he needed to because that was sort of the thing that they did back then, the tax collectors. But Jesus called this man to be an apostle of his. He called him to follow him. And Jesus showed that love towards him. First John chapter 4, verse 8, that was read to us a little bit while ago. Uh, John told us that the one who does not love does not know God. For God is love. Uh, you don't know God if you don't love one another, the apostle tells us. And again, we don't get to pick and choose to whom to apply this command to. Uh, secondly, we want to notice that to love others as Jesus loved, it involves serving others. You know, if we were to focus on John chapter 13, probably the most familiar aspect of John chapter 13 is when Jesus washed his disciples' feet. You know, he performed this lowly task that was designed for a servant, and he washed their feet. You know, of course, this was common in that culture, right? Because people wore sandals, uh, there weren't paved robes, they're always walking around on, on the dirt, and so... Uh, your feet will get filthy all the time. And so homes would have basins and towels and water available when you entered into the home. And it was, always, it was an act of hospitality to you know, wash the feet of your visitors. Or if you were wealthy enough to have your servants wash the feet uh, of the visitors. Peter here helps us understand how lowly this task was. John chapter 13, verse 8. Notice that he refuses. Peter said to him, Never shall you wash my feet. You know, you're not going to do this, Lord. You're not going to get down on your hands and knees and wash my feet. But then Jesus says in that same verse, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. You have no fellowship with me, Peter, if I cannot wash your feet. You know, Jesus is teaching here uh, that humility over pride, humility over pride is what brings out love. To be humble, to get down on our knees and wash the feet of others. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, we're told that Jesus came to not to be served, but to serve others. Right? The King of kings, the Lord of lords, our creator came to this earth to not to be served like an earthly king, but to serve others. And so then Peter says in verse 9, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus washes all of his disciples' feet. Which, you know who that includes? Judas. He washed Judas's feet, the one who will betray him. And Jesus knows that he's going to betray him. But Jesus didn't skip over Judas. He didn't say Judas was unworthy. But again, he got down and washed the feet of Judas. This morning, are there someone's feet you're unwilling to wash? You know, again, uh, the point is, you know, we're not commanded to wash feet. You know, but, but we are commanded to love one another in a serving capacity. The point is serving. Jesus washed even the feet of Judas. 
Paul would say in Galatians 5 verse 13 that we are to serve one another through love. Well, okay, I can do that. I'm happy to serve. I'm happy to serve those that I know well and I get along with. But what about everyone else? What about the ones that we don't get along with? What about the Matthews and the Judases? If we're going to love as Jesus, we're going to serve them too, right? Because the motive is love, that I want what's best for you. I'm not serving to get, you know, to post my, my, do, my things on Facebook and to get Facebook likes. I'm not serving because of who they are and what kind of favor I can get in return. But we're getting down on our knees. We're getting our hands wet and dirty. And out of love, we are serving just as Jesus would have served to show that love. It involves serving others. It, it's not optional. And thirdly, we want to notice to love others as Jesus loved, it, consi- it consists of extending grace and forgiveness. Again, remember exactly what Jesus did, uh, knowing that all of his disciples, uh, the one who would betray him, the other 11 that at, the, at his arrest are going to flee, his lieutenants, right? Uh, they're going to flee, um, Judas, Peter. It's easy to love those who love us back. Right? We understand that uh, those who do good towards us, you know, we want to reciprocate that to them. But what about those who may have hurt us? What about those who maybe don't talk to us or don't look at us? If one hurts us, you know, what's our normal reaction? Right? We want to get even uh, with those. But again, I never read Jesus doing that in the scriptures of wanting to get even. Matter of fact, Jesus is going to forgive Peter who had publicly let him down those three times. If you're in the book of John, turn to John chapter 21. Just, uh, this is the last chapter in the book of John. And let's notice a few things here. In John chapter 21, again, Jesus has been resurrected from the dead. Uh, he appears to some of his disciples on, uh, your translation might say, the Sea of Tiberias, but this is the Sea of Galilee. And the, some of the disciples have gathered together and they're out fishing at night. You know, how fun does that sound, right? Uh, Especially this morning and how cold it is. But they are out fishing at night, but they caught nothing. They caught nothing, but they hear someone on the shore say, children, did you catch anything? And of course, they answered the the individual and said, no, uh, we haven't. Well, the man tells them to place their nets on the right side of the boat and uh, let it down and that they would find a catch. And oh, did they ever. At that moment, John tells Peter, it's the Lord. And Peter's reaction is he jumps out of the boat. He swims to shore as fast as he can and embraces the Lord. And the other disciples are coming by in the ship or in their boat with all the fish. The Bible tells us that they were dragging in 153 fish that were in that net. The net was not in the least going to break. And they have this breakfast together, you know, this, this meal together of fish and bread. And we see here that Jesus providing for his disciples and also extending forgiveness. Again, these were uh, men who had just a few days ago had denied him and ran off. But specifically, notice his reaction to Peter in John chapter 21, verse 15 and following. So then they had finished breakfast. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, 
Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. You know, Jesus is uh, asking Peter the same question, not once, not twice, but three times. Peter, do you love me? And in sort of a public fashion, just as uh, Peter denied him three times publicly, Jesus is asking him three times publicly, do you love me? And we see the progression of Peter. Yes, Lord, I love you. Yes, you know I love you. And that third time he was grieved because he knew what Je- Jesus was getting at. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. You, you know that I do. You know, Jesus is forgiving Peter here publicly. He's giving him an opportunity to to repent and to realize uh, what he had done. And we know from this point forward what great work Peter is going to do for the kingdom of God, that he's going to be that that man who's going to preach that great gospel sermon in Acts chapter two, Acts chapter two, that's going to unlock the, the church, the kingdom of God to the Jews. And later on in Acts chapter 10, he's going to preach the sermon to, the, to Cornelius, which is going to represent him unlocking the kingdom to the Gentiles. You know, Peter had a lot of important work to do in God's service. He's going to serve as an elder in the Lord's church. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 1 tells us, Jesus teaches here that we need to be able to forgive each other. And again, in congregations, uh, especially with a lot of people, you know, sometimes we bump heads, right? Sometimes we don't always agree on how things are going to or need to happen. But in these moments, we need to remember to love like Jesus. Again, offer grace and forgiveness to one another. To love others as Jesus loved. It's not optional. It involves serving others. It consists of extending grace and forgiveness. And last, we want to notice that it is sacrificial, Again, if you're in John chapter 13, again, notice verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus loved them to the end. Jesus went as far as giving his life for those who hurt him. If we go to back in the book of John, in John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18, Jesus told them that he was going to lay down his life. And not only lay down his life, but on his own initiative. You know, nobody was going to take his life from him, but on his own initiative, he was going to lay down his life for those uh, of the world. In John chapter 15, verse 13, remember what he said there? Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. And of course, that, of course, is what Jesus did. Love is a sacrifice. I was reading a story uh, the other day of, of a father and two children. And the father was going to, do, going to the mall to do a little shopping. And so as they're walking into the mall, they noticed that there was this makeshift uh, petting zoo out in the, in the lobby of the mall. And so, of course, uh, the little girl, her name happened to be Helen. And, the little, and she was about eight years old, and the little boy's name was Brandon, and he was five. And, of course, they asked, Daddy, Daddy, you know, can, can we go to the petting zoo? Can we go? And so he flips them both a quarter, and he walks into Sears to go shopping for his tools, and they run off towards the, the petting zoo. And as he was shopping, as he was going through the aisles in Sears, he noticed he was starting to be followed. And it was his little daughter, Helen. And he was wondering, why, why is Helen following me? I mean, out of all the people in the world, I know she loves little furry creatures more than anyone. 
And so she asked him, she, uh, he asked her, what are you doing? And she said, well, daddy, the petting zoo cost 50 cents. So I gave my quarter to Brandon. Then she repeated the family motto, love is action. Well, after shopping, the dad brought the girl Helen back to the petting zoo, and they stood on the outside watching Brandon playing with all the little animals in that area. Now, what do you think he did? You know, he had another 50 cents burning in his pocket, but he never offered it, and she never asked for it. See, love is a sacrifice. It's expensive. It's costly. Uh, others are benefiting from it. You know, it, it gives. It doesn't grab. It's for you, not me. Right. And this little girl, she understood that she made that sacrifice for her brother. First John chapter four that was read for us this morning. Again, uh, listen to the words of the Apostle John. First John chapter four, verse, starting in verse nine, he said, by this, the love of God was manifested in us. That God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. See, Jesus was that sacrifice, that ultimate sacrifice, that propitiation for our sins. And what kind of sacrifices are you and I willing to make to express our love for one another? Are we willing to sacrifice our time? Are we willing to sacrifice our space? Are we willing to open our wallets to sacrifice, to give? Again, Jesus gave his life. And honestly, these are the least of the things that we could do to show our sacrificial love for one another. Because that's how Jesus lived. Jesus, again, he gave us a perfect example of what it means to love one another. Again, to love one another the way Jesus expects us to love one another, it's not optional. Right? We can't pick and choose who we want to love. Uh, we, we must be willing to serve. And not just, again, our friends uh, or those who we're close to or most like, but we must be willing to serve anyone. Even the, uh, Jesus served Judas, right? Jesus washed Judas's feet. We must be willing to offer grace and mercy and forgiveness just like Jesus did towards Peter and the other apostles and also to make sacrifices, to show our love by making sacrifices. There, there was a, an early church father who lived about 100, 150 years after the life of Jesus by the name of Tertullian. And he wrote some literature. And one of the things that he's famously quoted for is saying uh, is, is a passage where he's quoting uh, some Roman individuals, some non-believers some, uh, of how they viewed uh, Christianity. And, and this is what they were quoted as saying. See how they love one another. You know, again, this is the view from the outside of the church that these people saw how they loved one another. And can you imagine if the people in the world saw that the body of Christ as a whole, how they love one another, or specifically here in Columbia, how this congregation here loves one another? Can you uh, imagine uh, just for a moment them saying something to that effect of, look at that church, see how they love one another. And again, if we want to attract others from the outside of the church, we need to have the love That's in the inside of the church. And when we love like Jesus, we show the world we follow Jesus. That's why Jesus wants us to love, uh, love 
one another just as he loved us so that those in the world can see that we are his disciples. This morning, as we uh, offer the invitation, this morning, maybe you you have not put Christ on in baptism. Maybe uh, you are not a disciple of his. We would love the opportunity to speak to you this morning about it, uh, to set up a Bible study about it. Or if you're ready this morning, uh, the waters are prepared behind us. The Bible tells us to uh, hear the word of God, believe Jesus is the son of God, repent of our sins, confess him as Lord, and to be baptized uh, immersed in water for the forgiveness of our sins, and and to be at, and at that point we'll be added to the Lord's church, we'll become a Christian, we'll become a new creation, and we can start a, a fresh new life in Christ. Or this morning, uh, again, we offer the invitation to anyone here this morning who needs the prayers of the church, needs the encouragement of the church, whatever your need uh, be known, uh, please come forward now as together we stand and sing. <laughs>